Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. Like the man said, I am your gracious and humble host, Jonathan Wiegan, with half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair, sitting behind the golden OPP microphone. Welcome to today's program as we continue our DS9 review series, and we're going to be climbing the Tower of Babel today. I think it's a funny joke, Luna. Luna the intern, everybody. If I, I know I have a lot of friends that come in my life and come and go, and they go, John, what's your work life like? You know, what what's your day-to-day kind of eight-to-five look like? And, and the intro to Babel, DS9, season one, episode four or five, whichever you're going off of for that one, that's what my life is like, <laughs> unfortunately. We, we have people pulling at me, pulled in all directions. It just seems nonstop sometimes. I'm not complaining. I love it. It, it, is, it is a passion of mine, and I'm lucky enough to work in a field that I am passionate about. So, but, but that's a little preview of what a couple days of my week usually look like. So I, I definitely have a heartfelt response and a heartfelt uh, sympathy for Chief O'Brien, as uh, I think we all should, you know, and a lot of people work tough jobs too. I'm not saying I'm not the only one. Before we get into the review, I do have something, and if maybe one of our brilliant listeners out there in the Alpha Quadrant can answer this for me, is what what's going on with the repair schedule at DS9? I've, I've watched DS9 maybe three or four times. I'm so confused by this. So ships come in, they get repaired, and then they leave. Is it for free? Because the the Federation runs the station. You know, I know it's in with, like, collaboration with the Bajoran government, etc., etc. But who's getting paid here? Is it for free? Because, like, we have this this, uh, alien come up to Chief O'Brien. He's like, where is my my ship? It's been in, you know, uh, space dock for three or four days. You said it was going to be repaired. What's going on? Except blah, 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 blah. I just, I was just like... If the dude's getting free service, he really can't complain if you think about it. I mean, it's free. And I think the Federation wouldn't accept any money. Maybe Bajor would. That's the only thing I can think of is is Bajor collecting that revenue. But again, the accountant in me is coming out. (laughs) So let's get into the actual episode. I will say this is more of a quote-unquote tradition episode for me. Um, Across several Star Trek series, as we'll get into as we... um, in the next couple minutes, you'll see is that this kind of episode always happens, you know, this kind of outbreak and then the stakes rise and that, oops, it's solved. So Luna, without further ado, let's get into DS9's Babel. You roll that beautiful bean footage. Like I said at the beginning, just like a few seconds ago, 
this is kind of a tradition episode and it follows the original series and TNG episodes, The Naked Time and The Naked Now. It's it's very similar plot structure to the earlier episodes I just met, mentioned, but it also takes place like at the relatively the same point in the first season run that those episodes took place in their respective series. I don't know. Maybe that's a reason why. Maybe it's it's just fodder. It's easier to do as you're introducing a new crew. I don't know. But this is the third time we've seen this happen. So who knows? Reading those, The Naked Now and The Naked Time. The Naked Now is a direct reference, of course, to The Naked Time in uh, TNG in the original series. Or as I like to call it, The Horny Episode. Because <laughs> that's the episode everyone just gets like super horned up and super awkward and we barely know these characters so it's kind of like a a lot of goofy and overheated melodrama and i don't know it's just kind of that's the episode that data is fully functional in it it, to me it's just silly you know it's not really a lot of stakes and Babel kind of does does the same thing while regaining everybody's dignity which i think is is good it's just it's not the best, I will say. It's it's definitely kind of one of those tradition filler episodes. And how does exactly that work on a space station as opposed to a starship? So going back in the review, I, I really don't... It's not a bad concept to me. In the episode, I'll have to admit, I was kind of dreading a little bit. I really couldn't stand the naked episodes, as they would say or call them. The big reason for this is the cast was just humiliating themselves and I didn't like that but thank heavens and thank the lord that due to the nature of this virus on DS9 the worst anyone has to suffer is this temporary indignity of speaking nonsense and that's far less you know embarrassing and it happens multiple times through the episode so just a quick recap you know you have a character who seems perfectly fine is having a normal conversation and then suddenly without warning or indication They realize, hey, something's up, something's wrong, and the character will say something like, I have to get the moonlight permanent sideways. Some, like, babble like that. I I will have a huge suggestion. Please watch this episode with the subtitles on, because then you can exactly hear what they say, and it just makes the episode ten times better. (laughs) Um, I watched it once without, and once with, and definitely with, was a lot more, uh, I guess, just funny and more whimsical. Um, However, getting back to an episode recap, O'Brien is the very first one struck down, and while Babel's almost told entirely from the perspective of the people without the virus, it does a decent job of conveying the horrors of those first initial moments, you know, when comprehension abandons the sick and they struggle to make themselves understood. And again, that makes sense. You don't want a sick bay of everyone kind of standing random things to each other because that's not really a good episode however it's later on the episode we see the stakes are risen the virus turns fatal threatens chief o'brien's life and it kind of adds this more ticking clock scenario to the people who haven't taken ill um event apparently it's through the food replicator so eventually everyone's gonna get it but it's just a matter of time so it's an understandable turn of the screw as as it is you would say and it doesn't really hurt the episode exactly but i'm not entirely convinced it's super necessary to put that kind of pressure on 
plot kind of already had an inherent countdown because everyone was going to catch the virus, like I said. So there's already this clear sense of urgency and danger without having to be like, okay, we're just going to start killing people off. And worse, the lethal element highlights a plot hole that might not otherwise have been accounted for, is that no one on the station asks for outside help. No one high, like contacts Starfleet. No one um, goes to maybe a nearby planet or no, nothing. It's just blah. They're just kind of like, well, we're just going to take it on the chin and figure this out in-house. And it, I mean, sure, Kira eventually does contact someone on Bajor. And that's because she believes she found, you know, the engineer of the virus in the first place. But she's not kind of appealing to any structured authority. She's not appealing to the Bajoran government. She's not appealing to even, like, the Vedic Assembly. She's just going straight for, I think this guy created it. He's lying. Let's go after him. He should have an antidote. And I'm like, why not just ask for help? Especially from the Federation. They would have all the resources and then some, especially since they've seen this type of virus before, multiple times. I don't know. That's a big plot hole, but it is what it is. And I will say that the, the show has done a great job of establishing geography and social climate of the location that the station is in and setting up just how Deep Space Nine connects to Bajor. Again, the big plot hole, Cisco should have been able to ring up the home world and get a team of doctors on board without any worries, stat, just to kind of help them in context, you know, with the, the Federation's relationship with Bajor. I just think they could have been handled a lot of significant ways without changing the plot too much. And it speaks to the core issue of the episode is that I assume that I think the writers are still writing the show as if it was on a spaceship. It's, it's not the worst crime in the world, but I think it's kind of, they're getting more comfortable with the stationary aspect of a Deep Space Nine as time goes on. Because if you think about it, you have even Voyager, you know, they're still on a ship, still alone in the Delta Quadrant. You still have the adventures they have there. There's no one really to connect to except putting out a distress beacon to a nearby uh, entity or nearby government. So that's kind of how it's treated, unfortunately. And, and that's fine. They're just getting their sea legs. And eventually, DS9 will become one of the most well-written pieces of sci-fi in all of media. But for now, just getting their sea legs a little bit. So we're going to take a not be super harsh on them. Another kind of downer on the episode I didn't like. And I, I did enjoy it. I don't want to be all poop. It was good. But I just think... And, I, and it just kind of hit me with this episode that I've never really noticed before is that it's just the, how the crew and people treat Quark. I, I feel like he's been thrust into this untrustworthy and not all that bright rapscallion type of role. And I, I, I don't say there's anything wrong with having kind of this untrustworthy bastard you know kind of in a little b you know play a regular role in the show i think that's fine especially with the quote-unquote purity and and morality of the federation i think it's fine to have offsetting comp like person with beliefs and ideologies that's good conflict but i think right now it's just we're in the fourth episode and everyone's just taking a giant you know what on quark i 
So for, first off, his relationship with Odo makes total sense. You know, they're they're old adversaries. There's a nice runner of you know, kind of mutual respect, contempt in their conversations, a little banter, and kind of establishes them. And it's not really pure th- seething hatred, but it's just a little banter back and forth. They like it. They like the chase. They like the catch. But everyone else is constantly dismissing or accusing him of double dealing. To me, like realistically, a lot of these people have just transferred onto the station. This is, again, if you count the first episode, Emissaries, the two-parters, one episode. This is episode four. And not a lot of time. Maybe, let's say like a month. And then everyone's probably hasn't seen too much of Quark's trickery. Hasn't seen too much of his actual dealings. You know, they're getting used to the station, their duties, etc. I mean, how often, how much time are they spending with the guy? How much of that time are they spending at the bar? That's why I'm saying they, they kind of have this, I don't know if you want to call this specious view of him. Is that even a word, Luda? Is that they're kind of just like, oh, he's a Frankie, so he's a jerk, and he's going to be double dealing and stealing. So it's kind of specious, I guess. I don't even know if that's a word, but we'll, we'll uh, get the interns to look into it. And... I know the Ferengi have always had this problematic um, introduction and experience on Star Trek, especially with TNG. It was just, they were the original villains. I don't know if you guys knew that, over the Borg. And since they were the original villains, they've kind of always been cast in this negative light. And of course, DS9 changes that throughout, you know, the seven seasons. But if you look at how Trek the standard practice for how they deal with different species. You know, you have the Klingons that are very warlike. You have the Vulcans who are logical. You have Romulans who are logic, but no morality and very smart. So you have to be careful is that they kind of treat the show and the different cultures, should I say, with respect in some way. Ferengi, however, been routinely portrayed as just like the greedy netwits. And I will say Armin Shimmerman's has done great work developing Quark, especially over the seven seasons of DS9. And I love seeing in this infancy stage, these first in the first season or two of Quark, and um, and it just seems like he's more of a victim of prejudice than he is an actual crook. So, I mean, in this episode, he's he's going, his replicators are broken, so he just goes to a, a, an abandoned room and get use their replicator i'm like i would probably have done that too if i was a business owner like and even uh odo even says to him hey man um you could have just asked and we would have given it to you so he's not some criminal mastermind right now in the show eventually we can talk about that later but i feel like they're kind of just settling into these tropes that are really easy to that makes any sense I will say, and Luna's talking in my ear right now. So yes, due to Quark's sneakiness, he did make the virus worse. <laughs> and he used a crew-level replicator to give and pass out all this, you know, virus-laden food. But but I would argue with Luna, you know, he Odo would have given him access if he just asked. No one knew they were contaminated. He wasn't doing this on purpose. So it was more just like eventually it would have happened 
regardless if Quark would have not used the crew level replicator or not. So I just think it wouldn't have mattered. I think I think it expedited the problem of the virus 100%. But yeah, it wouldn't have taken it all. And who would have thought that this would have been the stand where I take on Ferengi mistreatment? Who'd have not? Who'd have thought? Not me. But moving on to other kind of better parts of the episode that I really enjoyed. And, um, you know, Babel does suffer a little bit from some predictability. I think that that part continue to lay the foundation for a long running series. You know, we have this teamwork aspect. You know, it's not surprising the station where a crisis brings everyone together. But it's kind of nice to see everyone accepting their various roles with ease. And all of the actors and actresses just kind of melted into them. And it wasn't, you know, resistant. It just flowed. And there was a nice flow here. I think you see Cisco, you know, taking command with confidence. Kira proving herself willing to go to any means and to any ends to achieve her goal. And we see Bashir being very clever, which is a big development from him being this like sex fiend obsessed with Jadzia puppy dog. So it was cool kind of seeing him develop because I'm not going to spoil the rest of the seasons, but we'll see him develop more and more as the series goes on, which is super awesome. And ultimately kind of harking back to the beginning of the, uh, of this podcast episode. So I like the fact that no one revealed any deep burning secrets, you know, like in the naked now, um, where they just talk about their love or their lust for one another. This kind of worked out for the best. You know, everyone kept their dignity and their clothes on. I would say the most unexpected aspect of this episode is is the source of the Babel virus. I think um, I was not really expecting that, to be honest. Um, I didn't really was expect to be connected to anything. I thought it would just be a random alien uh, thing that got through the biofilter bio and it just happened to be there. But no, I think it was an interesting take by the writers to get away with some of that coincidental plotting. You know, like I said, one of the big issues with this episode is they write it for Starship. And that can be really easy when you're on a Starship because you go different planets every week, you get different cultures every week, and, you know, something might have just... <laughs> happen to come through the biofilter it's kind of like this built-in excuse of an episode and ds9's not so lucky so i feel like i the writers were still trying to get away with the same coincidental plotting you know at least for now and i was pleasantly surprised you know they didn't do that they took a hard left you know then just a recap of the episode if you don't remember so kira discovers a device attached to one of the replicators and Bashir quickly determines that this virus is um, crea- creating food that has a sickness built in. And the device's presence isn't random either. It was placed on the station years and years ago by Bajoran descend- uh, descendants. No, that's not right. Bajoran freedom fighters, we'll say, who intended to sabotage the Cardassians. So it's kind of just sitting in there and waiting and then something went wrong with the replicator uh, that O'Brien was working on. You kind of see like this uh, 90s lightning uh, special effects and that it activated this device and that now spread this disease throughout the food. 
I just I, I think it was a bold thing to do as opposed to like a coincidental disease, but it doesn't really provide us with any new information. Like we knew the Bajoran rebels got up to some crazy wild stuff during the occupation. That's great. That's good. And it makes that it makes perfect sense that DS9 was a prime target. However, Babel uses the connection to develop Kira a little bit because it kind of shows that she's willing and thoroughly able to kind of do some badass stuff to, I mean, she basically just like kidnaps somebody when she thinks it's necessary, but it doesn't really go any deeper than that. You know, it's just, okay. She, she's like, I can go, I can go kidnap the guy. Let's go get him. Let's go get Dr. Cermak. And so she goes and gets Dr. Cermak and bless his heart. He's not really anything more than just a plot device with occasional emotions and, First, I, I have it written in my note. First, he's outraged. Then he's shocked. And then he finds a cure. So he's just kind of like ready to roll, not really having any um, any kind of resonance with the audience or with the plot. I do like the idea that the writers use political strife as um, kind of an a scapegoat, you know, as opposed, and as opposed to being something random. But I, I also wish when you go that route, that it digs up a little more into the past. It digs more into the Cardassian, Bajoran relationships, and it, we'll, we'll eventually get that in future seasons, but this was a great opportunity to even lay a tiny bit of the foundation for the future. And they it, they swung hard. It's like a pop fly. They, they hit the ball, but they just didn't finish out and they didn't get on base. Still great, it still works. Um, but it's not an episode that goes for the jugular. And given the nature of the main threat, I, I feel like the drama is largely impersonal. You know, Odo, Quark, and Kira all get to shine in this episode, but a decent portion of the hour is just given over to the standard narratives. You know, Cisco's worried about Jake, people are frustrated, the ball, it's like kind of, um, when's the hammer gonna drop on this character? One of the another positives as we're going through the reviews here is that, you know, Babel may use a conveniently able context to justify its story, but I, the episode still has some power and it's still able to demonstrate how the world of DS9 can take these old traditional plot ideas and make them new, make them potentially transformative in a bunch of different ways. So I feel like this is, yes, a tradition episode, but it also kind of pokes its head out of the little proverbial um, plot hole and say, hey, we're eventually going to get into really cool stuff that no one's ever done and take new looks on things that no one's ever done, but we're not quite there yet, but we will eventually. So I thought that that's kind of... I just imagine this groundhog, like, this eyes level with the ground looking out. That's my review of the episode. Let me know what you think. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of some stray observations here. But overall, I would say I would rate the episode maybe 5 is, like, earth-shattering. Oh, my gosh. It changed my perception of time and of sci-fi. That's what a 5 is. 1 is in. It's just can't even watch it turn it off i avoid it like the plague 
I would say this is a steady three. Ah, 3.5. Ah, 3.2. <laughs> I'd say 3.2 simply because it's better than average. We see a little bit of the greatness poking through what the potential that the writers have, but it just didn't bring it home. But still good, and it's better than average. So 3.2. So let me know what your thoughts are. If you disagree, agree, and I love talking DS9. So so please hit me up on those I instant messaging. Instant messaging? No, that's not a that's a '90s kid thing. Showing my age. Uh, hit me up on my uh, Instagram DMs. I'm always on there every day. So I love to talk with you guys. But I'm gonna bring up some stray observations I got to witness this week. The first is that we don't still have not seen a lot of Jake. You know, last week a man alone kind of gave him a sub subplot a little bit, but it wasn't really that substantial. But I kind of do love his relationship with his father. Again, it's the first parent-child interaction that I think we have in the Trek universe, and it's very warm and positive. And I love to see, it, especially as as a person with a son, like I like it. Cisco's a good dad, and Jake loves him and adores him. So that's I, I'll definitely love to see more of him in the future. And and another weird observation is that Dax likes to get ogled. So she's walking down the promenade with uh, Kira and she's like, oh, I forgot what it's like to be a woman. It's been so long and all the attention I get. And I'm like, is that what it's really like? As a man, we don't ever get ogled, but I'm like, man, I apologize, women. That would suck to always have that attention on you. Yeah, I'm sorry, that, that would stink. But apparently, I guess it depends on the woman, Dax likes it. So more power to her, man. But um, <laughs> I just thought it was funny that um, we kind of insight into her character a little bit. And again, seeing the more development as we'll get there. Also, speaking of Dax, we this is the episode where uh, we um, see her call Cisco Benjamin more. And that's kind of a defining character trait. And this episode kind of really established that. So it was good. Finally, this was the first writing credit for um, era Stephen Burr in the series. The famous DS9 writer and head honcho himself. So this was his first writing credit. So there you go. Maybe that's why we saw some of the greatness speaking through on this episode that we know he'll eventually bring to the series. Luna, that's all I have. If you're ready to wrap it up. Let's roll. Thank you guys so much for listening. And like I said before, uh, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. That's kind of where we spend most of our days at today. Not really on Twitter or on our Facebook. So uh, feel free to shout out a DM and talk to us about the show, what you liked about Babbel, what you didn't like about Babbel. Any ideas for the show, we'll be happy to take them down. Interacting with you guys, especially from all over the world. It's been a lot of fun. It's one of the highlights of my days. Again, we're going to have a lot more coming up. We'll definitely get more of a uh, regular schedule in uh, after January. We've had a lot of craziness, like I mentioned before. My job is like uh, Chief O'Brien. I'm just pulled in a million different directions all the time. That is now slowing down, so uh, be prepared for more OPP content as the uh, year progresses. We do have a lot in store for you. We're, we're thinking of a couple surprises as the year goes on. We have some good quarterly goals and good annual goals that we want to reach. So uh, be on the lookout for that. 
And as always, remember, take care of yourselves. Make sure your mental health is on lock. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you're needed and you're wanted. So please hang around and be here. And as always, second start of the right, straight on to more.